guys, that was really, really wonderful and special. Such a unique uh, gift uh, in our in our culture to to get to enjoy something like that here and and see your your giftings that God has given you uh, be a gift to us. Thank you for that. And I do want to take a moment to to thank some other very special people in our church. So, uh, as you know, our, our children's director uh, stepped away from that role uh, a few months ago. And uh, uh, Reba Miller, Sherry Miller, uh, Jane Higginbotham, uh, Ranella uh, have stepped into that role and uh, have spent many a Saturday nights uh, agonizing over having a great children's church program for our children upstairs during worship. They've sacrificed time to worship with us to make this happen. And so I really, really want to thank uh, each one of you for all that you do to love our children into God's kingdom. And uh, so the next two Sundays we'll be here, but we're not going to have children's church uh, because next Sunday we have our cantata, the Sunday after we have our children's pageant. And so we're going to just really worship as a family for the remainder of December and uh, as we give thanks for all those who, who love them so well. So uh, this morning, I want to tell you uh, God's story about our body. I want to tell you God's story about our body. And it's really, really important that you and I hear God's story about the body. Why? Because... Every single day, whether you want to or not, whether you do it on purpose or not, we hear the world's story about our body, don't we? In the media, all the images that flash across our eyes, scroll, 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 all the video that we see, all the commercials, the ads we see, what is the world's story about our body? Uh, that we keep hearing all day, every day. Is it a good, life-giving, redemptive story? And what is it? What is the story that the world is always telling you and me? Ah, that our body isn't good enough, right? That our body is something to curse because it won't do what we want it to do. That our body can't possibly compare. That our body is something to ignore, whatever it is. And whether we do it on purpose or not, whether it bubbles to the front of our mind or not, we're always kind of telling ourselves some kind of story about our body. Maybe when we step on a scale or we refuse to step on a scale or when we see ourselves in a mirror, every time someone takes that group fit photo and then we got to rush over and approve, right? Make sure they got the good side. You have to make sure they, they, they got a good photo. Every time our doctor gives us hard news, every time our body doesn't perform the way we want it to perform, every time our joints groan and ache in a very certain kind of way that drags us down, right? Every time we're too tired to do the things that we want to do or need to do, every time we lie awake in bed at night and we just can't fall asleep unless we take the drugs, 
right? The medicine that we need to fall asleep. All, what is the story in all of those hundreds of moments about your body that you tell yourself? So there's a tremendous temptation. And in fact, a lot of religious people have trumpeted this one particular story to say that the body doesn't matter. That what matters is like the love in your heart, the faith in your heart. What matters is your character. What matters is your intellect. What matters is your charming personality. Those are the more spiritual things, right? Those are the things that endure into eternity. And so, yes, those things are very, very important, okay? But the story becomes that the body doesn't matter. And so, sure, it's a good thing. The body isn't, but, but the body isn't that good. The human body doesn't really matter or has nothing to do with faith and spirituality. And so my question in all of this, and I hope your question, is what does God say about the body? What does the Bible say about the body? What is God's story about the human body? So, I want to share for you this word from the 139th Psalm, my favorite Psalm. And I'll begin in verse 13. And this is what it says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Thanks be to God for that very good word. I worship you, God, because I am so awesome. That's really close to what David is saying here, isn't it? I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You, God, you created my inmost being. My inmost being, that's a really good translation of the original Hebrew word. It really gets to the meaning of the, the Hebrew there. But uh, the, the original Hebrew word there, it isn't actually inmost being. Okay, the original Hebrew word there, and you're going to love this, is kidneys. God, you created my kidneys. I praise you because you made my kidneys, and I have great kidneys. And he says, my frame, okay? It was not hidden from you. And that's a great translation of the original Hebrew. It's elegant and poetic to say, my frame. But guess what? Atsem, okay, the Hebrew word there, it really means two things, which are not actually frame, all right? The, uh, the, the nuance of the Hebrew letters there, uh, it means strength, power. My strength was not hidden from you. Maybe it was hidden from other people. Maybe it was hidden from me. But God, you 
could see it, my strength, even when no one else could. And we religious folks, okay, we don't like to talk like that, do we? We don't like to talk like David. We think it's like not very holy to say out loud to God anything other than, God, I'm just so terrible, I'm just so awful, I'm just the worst thing ever. But what does David say in worship? My power, my strength, you can see it, God. Okay? And then even underneath that layer of meaning of power and strength, there's an even more kind of basic, uh, concrete kind of meaning of this atsem word. And that is uh, this, this simply bones. Okay? My bones, like this symbol of strength and power, they were not hidden from you when you made me in the secret place, when you wove me together. Okay, So don't get all spiritual so quick on David the psalmist when you read these words on the page. David is talking about this body, this physical body that God has created, woven together in his mother's physical womb, her body. He's not really talking about, you know, how charming he is at dinner parties or how good he is at sales or whatever it is. David is talking about God's physical creation, his human body. And here's the crazy thing about it. Here's the thing that makes people all across the face of the planet blush and just want to die on the inside. David is reflecting on this human body that God has given him and he doesn't disparage it. In fact, David does the opposite right here. I praise you, God. I worship you, God, because... Not because Jesus is so great or because God is so great or because you made a great sunset or great mountains or whatever it is. Okay, I praise you, God, because this body that you gave me, this body that you created, and that is me, okay, these bones and kidneys and eyes and arms and legs and hair and all this stuff, this human body is so good that you are worthy of worship and praise. David is telling a different story about the body, his body. His story is that his body is not bad. Whatever health issues he has, okay, whatever he looks like in the mirror, his story is not that his body is bad or that it should be ignored or abused or that his body doesn't matter. His story, God's story, is that the human body is wonderfully made by God. In fact, it's so wonderfully made that it's fearfully made. Like, it's almost scary. It's so incredible. It's a source of reverence and worship because it is so good. It is fearfully and wonderfully made. And David doesn't just know this. It's not like some kind of side note, theoretical kind of thing. He says, I know that full well. The word to know here is like this really intimate, firsthand, experiential kind of knowing. All the, fr uh, excuse me, the word to, so uh, it's not theory, it's, it's, it's big, it's important. David says he worships God because of what he knows firsthand. And so for, for you and me, that can sometimes be hard to really believe, can't it? All, I mean, all the, the kind of comparing that our world puts 
on us, kind of dangles right in front of us to tempt us to despair. All the frustrations with our bodies when this diagnosis comes or this diagnosis comes. Some, a song like this can take just a little bit of faith, can't it? So how do we write pages in this kind of story, God's story? All right. What's your end of the deal in this? this? This worldview that this body we have been given is so wonderfully made that it's almost scary. How do you sing a song like King David in the year 2023-2024? This is actually very, 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 very important because everything about modern life makes this more important than ever before to consider. I, I want you to take a minute to think about the hand that you have been dealt. Think about the culture that you inherited to no fault of your own. God designed your body wonderfully, for instance, to move all day every day. That's what God designed it to do. Okay? God designed your body for things like hunting and fishing and farming and walking and working, right? God designed your body to be doing those things every day. And what do we do? We sit, maybe we stand in place all day inside rooms that are cooled and heated like almost perfectly to our liking. We sit down to watch things. We sit down and let other people bring us a meal. That's a, that's a great time in our book, right? That's what we love to do. So God designed your body for one thing, but all the gravity of modern life pulls your body into this completely other thing. Something your body was not designed by God to do. And then God designed your body to eat things like fish you caught in a stream and cucumbers that you grew and deer that you hunted and berries that you found. You know, like God designed your body to operate incredibly off of like fresh fruits and vegetables and fish and meat and eggs and milk, like real food that God put on this earth. <clears throat> like maybe your neighbors are gardening or maybe you are gardening or hunting or whatever. That kind of stuff, right? That's what God designed your body wonderfully to eat and use for living and thriving. And yet, I am told, 73% of the food in the grocery store is ultra-processed food. Almost 100% of the food in any given restaurant. Most anything with like three, over three ingredients in it, right? And the little chemical names, right? <clears throat> they add preservatives, they add some colors, they add some you know, f artificial flavors and all those things. They, they extract stuff from this thing and spray it onto this food and then they wrap it up in plastic and it sits on a truck and on a shelf for a few months before you eat it. All of those things, most of what we are eating in our culture. So God gave you and I all of these wonderful things to eat and designed our bodies to process and use and what God created really, really well, but we are hardly even eating those things. We have exchanged the glory of cooking God's fresh foods from scratch for stuff that was literally designed in a laboratory and manufactured in a factory. 
And then, God designed your body. This is how He designed it. To wake up with the sun and go outside and be outside all day long. Sunbeams on your skin and in your eyeballs. Right? Full of bright lights in the daytime. Total darkness at nighttime. And what do we do? We're inside all day long under totally different kinds of lights. We have these artificial lights. We just all over us all evening long. What are we doing right until the final second that we go to sleep? Shining this like sun into our eyeballs, right? With our phones or TVs or whatever. And God designed our bodies so wonderfully, it's almost scary, but God didn't design our rhythms of rest and waking for that. God designed our bodies for one thing, but now our bodies inhabit something else entirely. And the consequences of living a life where you don't daily use your heart and lungs and muscles to full strength the consequence of eating ultra-processed foods, and also, by the way, just too much food, the consequence of messing around with the rhythms of sleep and light and dark that the Lord gave us in Genesis chapter 1, it is catastrophic. Almost every single health issue, not everything, but most things, even a lot of our issues with things like anxiety and depression, currently epidemic in our unrested, junk food eating, sedentary culture. Almost most things will be reduced or eliminated if we use and feed and rest our bodies the way that God designed so very, very well. If we ate the things the Lord gave us instead of what corporate America kind of pushed on us, right? If we used our bodies the way that the Lord had designed our bodies to be used, if we rested in the ways that God designed us to find rest, then we would see just how good these bodies really are. It's not our fault that we inherited a culture like this. It's not our fault we inherited a, a culture where most jobs are inside, staring at screens, sitting in chairs. It's not our own fault we inherited a world where hardworking, intelligent people are paid lots of money to design foods that are irresistible and actually addictive. And that other really hardworking, intelligent people are paid lots and lots of money to design irresistible marketing schemes to push that food in front of our face all the time, right? And then given millions and millions of dollars to market those things. It's not our fault we inherited a system that subsidizes ultra-processed food and taxes fresh, whole, healthy foods. When I lived in Romania, uh, vegetables were like super cheap and junk food was super expensive. We are outnumbered and outgunned in the fight to reclaim our wonderfully designed body to eat and move and rest in a way that is totally countercultural. It's like we have to have like superhuman willpower to exercise and eat right and get our sleep. It used to be that way. It used to be you didn't have a choice. All you had was God's food, God's rhythm. But here's the thing. God's people are being called to sing David's song about the body. 
If we don't root and establish ourselves in a different story, in a different worldview, we will lose the battle before we even begin. But when we change the script, when we, like, just with righteous anger, okay, dismiss the stories of our bodies that our culture is telling us, when we refuse to believe that our bodies are bad or that our bodies should be ignored or that our bodies are ornaments to be looked at instead of instruments of service to God. Not ornaments. Instruments of service to God. When we refuse to believe that we have some kind of right to abuse our bodies, when we refuse to believe that we have a right to arrogantly dismiss the wonderful design that God had when He created these bodies, all these stories that food companies and drug companies financially benefit from us believing, then when we refuse to sing their songs and believe their stories, and we finally put David's song front and center in this crazy time in history we're living in, that's when we begin to actually have the strength to make the hard choices and do the hard things that we have to do to resist and take back control of our well-being and our lives. That's, begin when, that's when we begin to take responsibility for the hand that we've been dealt and the good body that we've so graciously been given. And so this is what I want you to do with David's song this week, with this countercultural way of looking at your body. Number one, I want to invite you to write down God's story about who your body, who you are, and, and what your body is. To write those words down so that you have that tangible, physical embodiment of what God says about you not what others say about you. And number two, write down a daily plan or some kind of plan for how you will move and eat and rest according to God's design. It's not like a, like a I'm going to lose 10 pounds. If you write that down, you've completely missed the whole point. How will you move and eat and rest according to God's design? And the last thing is this, post it somewhere on a mirror, or in the inside of a kitchen cabinet. Write those words down and keep them somewhere because we are surrounded by everyone else's story. And we need to hold tight to God's. So maybe you're thinking, I know I'm supposed to do better. This is like a hard thing to believe about myself. But the good news of the gospel is this. You do what you do because of the who. You do what you do because of the who. So when you change the story about who you are and what your body is, that's when you begin to change what you do. And in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven is available to you. A whole new story, a whole new view of yourself and your human body is available to you in Christ. It's the story that your body is not an ornament to be looked at. It's an instrument of service to God. Your health is not something for big companies to exploit for profit. It's your sustaining vehicle 
to energize you for God's work in the world. It's the story that a loving and very generous God created your body so wonderfully, it's almost scary. And God did not design your body to live and eat and rest in the broken cultural patterns of modern America. God wonderfully designed your body to eat real food, to use the full strength of your heart and lungs and muscles, and to inhabit God's divinely ordained rhythms of sunbeam and darkness. God has very good news for you this morning. God fearfully and wonderfully made your body, and you get to inhabit it and care for it and enjoy it and use it for God's service for your whole life. All glory and thanks be to God for that. Let's go to a time of prayer together, my friends. Loving God, we pause this morning and we just give thanks and praise to you because you are a brilliant designer and creator. And Lord, we pledge ourselves to care for this very good gift that you have given us so that we can be of greater service to you and all those who count on us. We love you in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray these things. Amen. As we stand and sing, I'll be down front to receive you if you wish to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you wish to join this good family of faith.